party's over. Monsters, Madness, and Magic. Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I'm Justin, joined by my co-host Angelique. Say hey, Angelique. Hey, Angelique. (laughs) (laughs) This evening, we're joined by a very special guest. And if you're listening to this podcast, you'll know him as Lionel in Peter Jackson's classic horror film, Dead Alive, brain dead for the purest out there. Actor, writer, producer, Mr. Timothy Baum. Tim, how the hell are you? I'm mighty fine, thank you. Nice to talk to you guys all the way down here in New Zealand. Summertime. How's the weather over there today? Well, I did my research for you. So I'm sitting on a clear blue sky day, which in our world, we, we're at 28 degrees Celsius, which in your world is 83 degrees Fahrenheit. Nice mild temperature. Yeah, pretty good. Happy days. So let's start at the beginning, Tim. Uh, do you recall when you were struck by the urge to want to pursue acting as a career? Did you have a eureka moment? Yeah, I did. It's It was pretty, it's probably a bit of a classic story, really. I mean, uh I suspect uh, many of your guests have had a similar story, but um, I was about 13, I think, and I was at high school, and uh, I was fortunate to be at a high school that had a really strong musical drama kind of component to it, and I got asked to do a, a be, be on stage, you know, in a in a in a high school show, and uh, I I was asked to play. I was 13 years old, and I was asked to play a 80 year old king. And it was a kind of, it was a musical comedy thing and it was fun. You know, I, I, it, he had no lines. It was, he was mute and he, he ran around sort of pulling faces and stuff. But it, I learned that, that I could generate a, a reaction from the audience quite easily. And I found that quite a, uh, addictive and pursued that, you know, for, for the rest of my time at school. And um, I quickly went, left high school and went to pursue drama studies and, you know, just carried on. So it, it was just getting bitten by the bug, I think, which is, as I say, is probably quite a, uh, not a, not an unusual story for people in my field. Right. So how were in? I'm um, I'm sorry, Justin. You were in Once Upon a Mattress. Then you were the yeah. new king. Yeah, that's I was the one. Queen. That was my first role on stage. Wow. Oh, they, well, well, maybe we were in the same show, Parallel Universe. <laughs> yeah. So what? Well, um, I bet I I bet I did it a lot a lot earlier than you did. But um, <laughs> uh, what? Which part did you play? I was Queen Agravain. All oh, right. Okay. You yeah, know, I was King Sip. Sixth, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, Angela, you're blowing my mind. I didn't even yeah. didn't even know I was working with an actress. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that. Oh, there you go. So, it's how did you end your first professional gig, Tim? So, um, I left drama school when I was about uh, oh my god, it's a while ago now. I must have been 21 or 22, and um, we we didn't have a New Zealand. You know, it's a small place, right? So, I I, I live in a country of of uh, what is now close to 5 million people. So we have everything here is a, a lot smaller scale than, you know, what you guys have over there. So we didn't have a huge film or TV industry, but I managed to get a gig on a, on a, you know, a guest role on a, on a TV cop show. I think when I came out, it was probably the only TV show being made at the time in New Zealand. And then um, I just bounced around through theater and TV. And a couple of years later, I, was, I, I had a good run, you know, I had some, I, I was really into theatre actually, to be honest, and I had a really good run with that. And then one day I got asked to audition for this film, this horror film called, uh, what we call Brain Dead. And um, I didn't know much about it. I didn't, I mean, in fact, I didn't know much about horror films at all. I had to, you know, I have to be honest about that. And um, I had to go and do this, this one-on-one test with a guy called Peter Jackson. 
and he had some little office in town in uh, Wellington where we were based. And um, I, yeah, I did a reading for this, this, this kooky film script, which I read and I thought the script was great. You know, it was funny. <laughs> when I read it, I thought, wow, this is a really good script. I, I didn't know much about the genre. In, in fact, as I said, I, I knew nothing about the genre. Right. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest as I was to him and said, you know, I don't think I'd ever seen a horror film. Um, so I think the only horror film I'd ever seen, I was about four, 15, maybe I saw Poltergeist and I, it freaked me out. I left halfway through. So I never, I don't even know how it ends. Um, no, no, not Poltergeist. Um, Exorcist. Oh, well, I don't a, blame you for that one. Yeah. The head spins around. I was out of there too much. <laughs> so um, I, I had no reference for the genre. Right. Then, um, so, but Peter kind of liked what I did and he wanted to use me. So um, he gave me um, some homework. He said, look, uh, we're going to make this film. It's pretty crazy, but you need to watch uh, three films so you can understand the genre. So he sent me away with VHSs of um, Dawn of the Dead, Evil Dead 2, and another one. I can remember. Maybe it was another George Romero one. Mm. So I went home and watched them. I went, oh, this is about. And Evil Dead 2, I kind of got. I could sort of see that there was a <coughs> some homage going on there. Yeah. So that was my that was my research, and I and I watched those films, and then I turned up on set, and we filmed this crazy film, Brain Dead or Dead Alive, as you know it, for uh, fourteen weeks. Got covered in a whole lot of blood. And had a really good- <laughs> it's funny you say that he gave you Evil Dead too as homework because I've always said if I didn't know any better and I was just watching Dead Alive for the first time, I would guess that was a Sam Raimi film, not a Peter Jackson. Oh, okay. Wow. It, mm-hmm. They're very similar, you know? Yeah, okay. So you worked a lot in, tel- in television and theater up until Dead Alive, which is one of the still one of the bloodiest films ever made. Were you taken back initially by just how far everything was going? And was it weird at first, being your first experience with horror? Yeah. Uh, well, yes yes and no. Yes, it was weird because it's a, weird, it's a crazy film, right? But in a fun way. I responded to the comedy of it and um, the kind of physicality of it because... Uh, Peter and I talked about because one of my favorite um, or w- one of our mutually favorites was Buster Keaton. So right. I kind of responded to that element of the physicality of how we're going to how we're going to do this, all the running away from zombies and running on the spot and falling into trams and all that sort of. Stuff. So my 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 touchstone was Buster. Thought well, I understand what I loved about Buster Keaton. He had um, this amazing physical gift gift for physical comedy, but he also had a real human. And I guess Charlie Chaplin did as well, but there was something extra next level about Buster Keaton's ability to you empathize as a true human being, even though he had no words and in just these kind of uh, outrageous situations. So um, I kind of I was channeling that stuff. The other thing about Brain Dead, which is kind of interesting, is it was shot quite sequentially. Like we shot it, unlike most films where you shoot, you might be shooting the last scene on the first day. We shot a lot of the um, the 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 non uh, you know this this kind of um, the crazy sequence. What do you call it? The the climax mm-hmm. where, where everyone gets mowed down. We spent six weeks filming that in the studio, but the previous six weeks we sh- we shot the rest of the story. So we kind of eased our way into the story, doing all the outside stuff with Paquita and going to the zoo and all those the kind of romantic comedy. <laughs> um, <laughs> aspect so by the time we got to the uh to the the, the zombie sequence um we were we, we kind of we were in the groove and then right. it was like the door opened and the zombies came in and we and it went nuts for another six weeks and again 
we shot that whole sequence, uh, that, that whole thing is shot sequentially because there was no way you could recreate that continuity by jumping out, out of sequence. So we started at the beginning of the sequence and basically we were filming two units at once and just moving through that part of the story in order so that by the end of the massacre, the house is, it's just, as we all know, it's complete carnage. And mm. we, we just left the set each day and it got worse and worse and worse. <laughs> and and, and the thing you got to remember is that fake blood has a lot of sugar in it because it's got maple syrup in it. And after six weeks under the light studio, it got high, man. It got, it was, whew, it was starting to turn into alcohol. So um, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty fumy in there. <laughs> so you're saying that lawnmower scene took six weeks? Well, no, the, well, that was part of it, but that whole sequence where the, the zombies escape. Oh, the party sequence. Stella, yeah. Gotcha. The, the, yeah. And then the, you know, the, the, the lawnmower becomes the last part of that. But um, all of the stuff for running around, fending them off before Lionel decides, hey, I know, I'll get the lawnmower. Um, <laughs> when he, when, that was like, good thinking, buddy. It took you a while, but <laughs> uh, you got there. Uh, but yeah, all that stuff. It was all shot in a, in a, in a big studio set and it took, from my memory. Were you aware that that was uh, the bloodiest scene in horror history while you were filming it? No, I didn't know that because, as I say, I didn't know much about right, it. Yeah. And, but what? But but the crew, um, some of whom had worked before, but some of them hadn't, and they were. Yeah, you know, I, I, often they'd be going, "Are you kidding me? This is too much." <laughs> and um, and Peter and he, Peter would just call out from the monitor. He'd just go, "No, no, no, no! This, don't don't worry about it. This one's for the fans. This one's for the fans." And he because he knew who he was making it for right from the, he always knew who his audience was and who he was trying to entertain and please. And it was these um, dedicated followers of the genre. And I, again, I just, I, and it, you know, I'd hear him say, Hey, this is for the fans. And I go, okay, I wonder who these fans are. And um, <laughs> then after the film was, when the film was released and uh, we took it to the marketplace of Khan after that, Peter and I did a little bit of a um, tour around Europe to Germany, Italy. That's when I met the fans. Because we went to these crazy festivals that were going on in Nuremberg and places like that, where he'd go, he turned up with his film, his brand new film, and these fans were waiting. Um, there was some festival that started at midnight in Nuremberg, and, and they got this basically preview screening of, of Peter's new film, and they just went, I mean, they, I mean Germans are nuts at the best time, but <laughs> they, they just loved it, and they were so appreciative. And that's when I learned what he meant by the fans. He was a very... Um, uh, he was very. He wanted. To, he wanted to. He wanted to please those people, and I, and he and he did. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he definitely did all of us. <laughs> yeah. So I gotta ask you, what was your initial reaction when you heard that Peter Jackson landed the Lord of the Rings gig? Um, I, <clears throat> well, it's it's funny. Uh, I because I've been to I've been to a few conventions in my time, you know, horror conventions where um I, I haven't been to many, but I've been to a couple, and um. You know, I get I get met by these fans that come up and go. You know, there's the Peter Jackson that made Bad Taste and Meet the Feebles and Brain Dead and Frighteners, and, and then there's another man that made Lord of the Rings. You know, they think of him as two different people. Yeah. But um, but here where where we we, we were based, um, Peter bringing Lord of the Rings to New Zealand was just like this great news story because he'd always said, uh, you know, he was he's a very very obviously a very gifted and clever filmmaker, and it, but he he loves. New Zealand and he wanted to bring Hollywood to New Zealand and he did it and he did it with a you know a test run with um the frighteners and then 
he landed Lord of the Rings here. So we didn't see it as a, a detraction from his career. We saw it as the net progression that he would <clears throat> go on to these bigger, bigger things. And um, that sure as hell happened. Oh, yeah. Yep. So was there anything that he was doing differently from a director standpoint that you enjoyed compared to people that you've worked with previously? Well, Peter's, um, <clears throat> he, he's, he's completely, or when I worked with him on that film, um, he was completely, he had, a, he had every frame worked out. We had these massive storyboard books that every frame had been worked out and drawn. So he knew exactly what he needed to get um, and, and how to get it. And, you know, occasionally we'd, we'd add a little bit here and there because we, on, on the fly, but really he, he had limited time and limited budget. So he knew what he needed to get. And he was shooting a lot of, a lot of footage. Plus, you know, it's back in the days of film. We were shooting on Super 16, I think. And um, back back when people cared about um, ratios, you know, how much film, film is expensive. Nowadays with digital, it doesn't matter. Right. So the, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative that I worked with him at that time when uh, film was still, like we did everything um, in camera, right? So there was no digital, obviously. So it was all in camera. So I learned as a young actor how these tricks were done, you know, forced perspective, models, miniatures, all these amazing tricks and Peter used them all in, in dead alive. Uh, and I got to be a part of that. And so I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. And I, I've never worked with someone since who's had that um, absolute, uh, who, who was, he, cause he was self-schooled, right? He just, he taught himself how to do this in his own time as a, as a young man with a, a Bolex and stuff. And he figured it all out from the ground up. And that's, you know, immensely admirable, inspiring. So, I'm very privileged to have been a part of that. It is impressive. Angelique, I'm going to let you ask Tim some questions. My doorbell is ringing. I'll be right back, I promise. Okay. Um, so being part of a horror film where you weren't, you know, so much of a fan to start with, did that kind of change your your mind? Do you have a favorite horror movie now? Um, honestly, I have a great appreciation for the genre because I understand it now and I understand that it's all about structure and it's all about, um, you know, giving giving people when when people put a horror film in to watch, there's a clear set of expectations that you as an audience member expect from putting that. I was going to say VHS, and I'll, be, I'll move I'll, I'll move ahead a couple of decades. When you put in the DVD, oh no, I'll move ahead again. Uh, when you push play on the horror film that you've chosen to watch, there's a very clear set of expectations, and I I have a great appreciation for that. I still don't make it my sort of uh, main objective to seek them out. I'm, I'm not. It's not hugely high on my priority list. Mm. But when I go to conventions and I meet people who are very passionate about the, uh, I have a great appreciation for what it means to them and how much, how immense that world is, how immense that genre is, and, and all of the people trying to make the next great scare film. It's it's inspiring. Now, um, branching off into your your television work, you've done a, a lot of television and you know. A lot of it, I honestly haven't even heard about, I guess, because it's mainly based, you know, there in New Zealand. But yeah. I was reading about the Almighty Jacks. Um, Johnson. Johnson's, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. That sounds like an amazing show. Um, yeah. What to that? Sorry, what was the last question? What, 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 brought, what brought you to that? Was that, you know, were you recommended oh. that see it and oh. go, go out for it? or? Well, um, I was actually working... The company that makes that that made that show here um, is a company that I've worked with a lot as an actor 
Um, I've also worked in production side of stuff. So and, and as a writer, so I, I, the last sort of uh, 15 years, I've worked primarily as a screenwriter and acting alongside that. And, and Johnson's was one of those projects where it, it came along and uh, I was um, the head of development at South Pacific Pictures, the company that was going to make it. So I was the head of development and I was also storylining the show. And I was also, you know, then I ended up as an actor in it as well. So I was really busy. And, um, but it was a good time. It was a really good time. It's a great idea, that show. And uh, it, it's attracted a real lovely cult following around the world because it's so unique the the idea that these four young kiwi brothers four kiwi brothers um have descended from norse gods it's just a cool cool idea and um we had a lot of fun with it and we did three seasons um unfortunately it was on a channel here that didn't really promote it so well so it didn't perhaps get as much attention locally as it needed to to keep going mm -hmm. but it subsequently had a big uh, a big following on sci-fi you know we keep talking about trying to do a reboot of it as well because i still got legs in it oh absolutely I, I think you should pursue that most definitely <laughs> that would just go off like gangbusters yeah i think so tim you mentioned since 2005 you've been writing a bit bit uh, well a good bit more uh is writing yeah. something you've always enjoyed were you a big reader as a kid uh yeah i i was always interested in writing um very various in various genres as a kid and then i kind of i set it aside when i when I got immersed in the acting world, but then those two things kind of met up again. I, I wrote a, a, a one-man theater show, and, which I toured around parts of the world and had a really good time with that. And I adapted that as a film script, which in the end didn't, didn't go anywhere, but it got me uh, exposed as, into the sort of writing world. And from there, I just kept, um, kept doing it. And I, I just get a lot of satisfaction out of it as a, as a um, discipline. And, more so than more so than acting these days. So I, I I'm so busy with um, writing and producing now that I haven't really had much time to answer the um, acting calls. But yeah, one day I'll get back into it. Yeah, that was that was one of my questions. At this point in your career, would you say you had have a preference to writing? But that's what. You're... <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm the at the moment I'm, I, I work on a, a murder mystery se series called the Brokenwood Mysteries, which I've been the there from the first episode, I, the head writer on it, become the producer as well now. And, um, you know, that's a that's a big job. Uh, we make six tele features a year, and um, it's got a huge following offshore uh, because the murder mystery genre is, like the horror genre, there's a huge appetite for that out there. That, that there's a global appetite for that genre as there is for the horror genre, as there is for, you know, screwball comedy or whatever. But um, the, the the appetite for Broken Wood has is, is just got bigger and bigger that um they people just want more so i just have to keep making more of it so, and uh i'll keep doing that for another year or so and then maybe i'll try and change focus answer some of the acting calls i see that you're writing a mini mini series called under the vines can you tell us a little bit about it oh right yeah i wrote the pilot for that that's just starting filming next week um that's uh that's a romantic comedy um uh series uh probably ongoing, I think, um, set down in the South Island of New Zealand, which is, a well, it's familiar to a lot of people because a lot of Lord of the Rings was shot there. Um, but it's also a very famous grape-growing part of New Zealand. And this is a rom-com about two people who didn't know they were related inherit a vineyard and uh, become a, a kind of odd couple. It's it's fun. It was a lovely idea. I was I was the head writer on it initially, but then um, Brokenwood came up, had to go again, so I had to peel off. And, and uh, so I wrote the pilot and, and left them to it and then... Uh, 
went back to Broken, which I've just finished shooting season eight. Under the Vines is, yeah, it's got a nice, it's got a Rebecca Gibney, who's a very famous uh, Australasian actor and um, a British actor in there as well, who, who uh, I heard, we did a read through of it the other day um, because of um, COVID and all that. He's, he was still in the UK, so he did the read through over Zoom and he was really good. I mean, doing the read through over Zoom is a challenge, but he nailed all the jokes. It was fantastic. Awesome. And I'm going to have to check out the Broken Wood Mysteries. Mysteries are right up my alley. Sounds oh, okay, fun. good. Yeah, it's fun. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, again, it's got a kind of, uh, I think the reason people have responded to it is because of the New Zealand element to it. Um, it's, a, it's a murder mystery that's not afraid to be kind of have a black humor aspect mm. to it, quite quirky characters. And I was thinking about it actually before I dialed in here today. It's um, it's in a funny kind of way. It's probably influenced a bit by Brain Dead or Dead Alive. In that, uh, if you think about Dead Alive, Peter wrote these great guest roles for like the the vet and the Undertaker and yes. uh, the priest. You know, those heightened, very Kiwi, weird, weirdly a kind of Kiwi filter on these archetypes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I. I was, I, I was thinking about it to myself today. Going, I think I was probably quite influenced by that because I, Brain Dead's like, uh, Brain Dead, Broken Wood <laughs> has a, a certain similarity. I mean, those characters in, in Dead Alive are, if you know, if to quote Spinal Tap, they've been turned up to 11. <laughs> but um, in Bro- Broken Wood, you know, they're more like a, a three or a four, but they're still quite heightened. I had fun creating slightly heightened characters to, to make the most of what's uh, essentially unique about the New Zealand uh, point of view. That's awesome. To, to back up a little bit, um, I saw an older interview of yours uh, where you said, you have mentioned here too that New Zealand really doesn't have major conventions, definitely not horror conventions like the United oh, States. Yeah. So was it a big culture shock for you the first time you came over to the States and went to your first convention? What was that like? Yeah, it was. I'll admit that. Um, so the first one I did, I did, I did a couple in Germany first, um, uh, quite a few years ago now, and that was like, wow, okay, this is how these. That's interesting. Um, but then the scale of the first one I went to, I think it was I did one in Indianapolis, and you know, you guys, you know, America, you do everything big. So um, the hotels are big, <laughs> the rooms are big. There's lots of people, but I, you know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's just so cool to see people. Um, being so enthusiastic about what what their thing is right and i'm sure one weekend uh that i was there was the horror convention probably the next weekend it was some sort of car convention and the next week mm-hmm. it was probably a science fiction. convention or something but you yeah. know it's whatever whatever helps people get through their day you know it's uh, it's good to be a part of that but yeah the scale of the scale of conventions in america i did another one in um cherry hill new jersey mm-hmm. uh, that was, I think that was even bigger. I've only done two. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so when did you realize just how the cult popularity that the movie had? Was it several years later? Yeah, look, I had no idea. Um, after I did Brain Dead, I went off and did um, lots of other acting work. And, you know, Peter went off and did um, Heavenly Creatures and The Frighteners. And we, we went off and did our own thing. And Brain Dead or Dead Alive had no real, it, it wasn't a huge thing here because as, as i say we're we're a small population so the percentage of our population that's really dedicated to the horror genre is quite small so it, as a film it was released and you know everyone talked about it and then it just went away meanwhile it had this huge life around the globe so it was probably 10 15 years later that when i, when I went to these conventions i suddenly went oh my god 
people really care about this film. I mean, I mean, they care about it in a in a lovely way. I, I've had letters from people saying, you know, I, just, I need you to know that 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 film was so important to me. It helped me get through my parents' divorce. Wow. Going, okay. I don't I don't know how that works, but good. Um, <laughs> And, and everything in the spectrum. And then people would turn up at my table at the conventions with um, images from the film tattooed on them. You know, that's, that's dedication. Uh, when you see pictures of uh, Selwyn tattooed on a woman's calf, parts of her body, and you go, well, it means a lot. Cool. I don't mind being a part. <laughs> right. Now, this question is a bit off topic, but um, like I said, I was watching an older interview and you mentioned that your son was studying the Maori language and I just wanted to know what his progress was all these years later. Wow. Was that a long time ago? Uh, I think it was eight, maybe eight years ago. Okay. Yeah. So my son, he's, um, cause his mom's Maori. So he's Maori and he's at a, he's a, he's just gone back to school yesterday. Actually. He's, um, I don't know what the equivalent in America is. So he's year 11 here. So he's like 15. I don't mm. know what how your years work. Um, yeah, he's completely fluent. He's so he's he leads the um, the kapa haka and stuff like that, which are cultural groups there. Uh, he's he's the real deal. He's he's very good at it, and he's very dedicated to it. And I think he's going to be a linguist. That's I'm uh, pretty That's really satisfied. And that was the best thing we did. He went to a, a, a school where you they only teach in Maori, okay? so it's called full immersion. And so he's had that his whole life, preschool. And now he's, uh, yeah, he's as fluent as the next, as the people that have been speaking. It. That's really cool. I just had to ask because I've got a couple of books on the Maori and I, I didn't, you just threw that out in an interview and I just thought it was really cool. Okay. What's the books? Oh, it's uh, by a guy called Layers Cranton. It's about Maori cosmology and how there's a oh, lot of parallels okay. between their beliefs and beliefs in Egypt, China and India and stuff. Right. A lot of oh, crossover cool. in their uh, cosmologies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you I know you're not a big fan of horror films, but what would you say are your favorite films in general? Oh, um, well, my my favorite film of all time. It, yeah, sure. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Good choice. Okay, <laughs> I see that as the greatest melding of two amazing movie stars, right? So it's a buddy film. Those two great, those two great personalities at the peak of their powers. You had a fantastic director in George Roy Hill who let the camera sit on those big wide shots he trusted that the audience would go in you know they'd do their own um zoom in if you... and then there's and there's great and the great writing of william goldman with the uh, i mean it's just funny and also poignant and great lighting that conrad hill was it yeah i i Con, no, conrad i might have got his name anyway um yeah i just think it's the perfect the perfect film well perfect movie yeah it's like a it's a great have i raved enough about that one um <laughs> If you like it, you like yeah. it. We love enthusiasm. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, look, I, I love films in general. I um, that that one. There's other kind of probably cliche ones. I still think Shawshank Redemption is a great movie. Uh, look, I you know, I could I could prattle on for hours. I did spend um, the last was it last year um, sh- during the sort of COVIDy worst part of that for us, which was nowhere near as bad as what you guys are. Getting. Uh, Showing my son that we were talking about before, um, I, I've been trying to show him all the classics. So I've showed him Butch Cassidy and Sus Kid and Shawshank. Um, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a real estate agent. Um, uh, how was the other one? Oh, um, The Shining. Good See, that's a great one. 
uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, all those classics. So nice. I've been showing him all those. Uh, that's been as good for me as for him, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Shawshank is a classic, which is uh, kind of funny you mentioned that. We got a William Sadler coming on in a couple of days here. Oh, cool. Yeah, try not to freak out about that one. <laughs> <laughs> So I know Angelique has a couple more questions for you. I'm going to shut up. Um, well, really just the, the main one. Um, I asked this of all of our guests, um, but it's especially a treat because you're from New Zealand and I know your, your snacks are a little different from ours. Um, but my question is, what is your go-to movie snack? Like, what do you just have to have to munch on to make that full immersive movie experience? Wow. That's an interesting question because, and I'm going to disappoint you here. <laughs> But I don't like popcorn. That's okay. No, I just don't get it. I've never understood it. And I see people going in with these, you know, 40-liter buckets of popcorn <laughs> and munching through it. I just go, I can't, I don't get the, I don't get the, where that pleasure zone sits. So I don't tend to um, eat anything. <laughs> I'll take a glass of wine, though, if I've got that on offer. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, that's, that's a fair answer. <laughs> yeah, fair. What kind of wine? What's your favorite kind of wine? Well, um, it's changed recently. It used to be always red, you know, mm. a Pinot Noir or a Merlot. Um, and suddenly one day I just went, I don't like red wine anymore. So I'm, I'm back on Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. It's, Very um, nice. But I like it dry and crisp. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't like a Pinot. I don't like it so dark. So no, like those it. heavy like cab, cab saves and the, and the Shirazes, they, they basically headache in a glass for yeah uh, <laughs> right so i should uh, tell you guys one thing since you're um since you've uh, sought me out and i'll give you this as a um exclusive okay so i told you i, I work on the show called the brokenwood mystery right mm-hmm. yeah, just finished shooting season seven which is six telly features and in episode one of this new season and i think over in america it screens on a cable channel called acorn okay i'm pretty confident that's where it, or in north america Without giving it away, because I can't give it away because it's a murder mystery. But Dead Alive features. Mm. Okay. okay. You got me. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm watching. <laughs> so when you, if you can find it, and you, if the new season will come across to Acorn, I think. We're just finishing post-production at the moment. It'll come across probably end of next month. And they've got the world premiere of it because uh, they're one of our investors. And... Uh, the first episode's called The Garotte and a Vinkelbrawn. And if you watch it, um, put it this way, I'll make a cameo in it. Got it. Oh, cool. Got it. <laughs> That's exciting. Well, hey. Definitely going to watch that. I got a question for you, Tim. So at, um, what would you say is the best piece of acting advice you've received throughout your career? Acting advice? Mm-hmm. I've had, I've had quite a lot. And I've and and the other advice is probably the stuff I give to myself, having learnt it the hard way. But the best the best advice to any budding screen actor is relax. If you're relaxed, even if you're playing something which is high tension, there has to be a relaxation involved, which is what makes this this it seamless between you pretending because you're pretending, right? We're always pretending as actors, and um, actors that walk in, and, and I I know this because I. Now, as a producer, I'm, I'm in the edit suite a lot, watching lots of great actors work for me and on my show. And I, so I watch a lot of auditions and I'm casting actors all the time. And, you know, those that, that have, a, have an ease about them is what makes you want to watch them. And those that have a tension about them 
makes you not want to watch them. And uh, unfortunately for an actor, that's a bit of a problem if you don't, <laughs> if you don't want to watch them. So, um, yeah, I think the greatest piece of advice is be relaxed in what you do um, and be true. If, if you're seeking truth in whatever you do, whether it's comedy or drama, because comedy has to have a truth to it as well. And when comedy is true, it's funny. And when comedy is not true, it's, you know, it doesn't work. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I've, I've, I'm guilty of doing, I've done bad comedy and I've done really good comedy, I think. But I know that, the, I know that that's what it's about. And sometimes you, you m m mess it up and you don't get another go and you regret that. But um, you, you, you usually know when you And I think uh, there's a scene in um, Brain Dead, uh, in Dead Alive where my character Lionel takes Selwyn to the park, to, to, to the baby zombie to the park. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a very physical piece of physical comedy that happened. But um, it was the last thing we ever shot in the whole movie because uh, the, the, the completion guarantors had actually wanted to shut the film down. They said to Peter, you've run out of money. You don't need to shoot that scene. It doesn't move the story forward. You don't need And he said, going to do it. And he mm -hmm. wrangled a bunch of us after we'd wrapped to do um, a kind of secret shoot. And we went off and did that for a day or so in the park. And... Um, I think it's some of my best work in the movie because it's it's true and I was relaxed at that point mm -hmm. shooting. I knew the genre, I knew the what he wanted, and um, I, I look at that part when it, whenever I come across that, I always watch that sequence and go, yeah, I really like that. Um, it's one of my favorites because I mean, just your physical comedy is superb. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, that's because I again I think it's because I'm. I'm relaxed into the, oh, well, uh, we've been shooting for a long time, but, um, you know, you, you, you as an actor, you're the, I'm the most critical person around and I'll be self-critical to a point of self-detriment, but um, I, I know that those are the two things that make it work. Re relaxation and truth, if you can get those under your belt, you're away. Good advice. And it says something that you, you come in with no experience in horror and to my knowledge, you haven't act, worked in a straight up horror film since. So your your own your first and only role in horror is an instant classic, and you nailed it <laughs> after watching three movies. So you went out on top. Yeah, that's right. Leave him wanting more. <laughs> <laughs> but Tim, we're not going to hold you hostage all night. So I'm just going to wrap up by uh, tell folks anything else you may have on the horizon where they can find you. Um, not the th the thing that I'm. As I said before, most immersed in at the moment is the Brookwood Mysteries. So if you ever come across that on a cable channel, check it out. It's it's fun. It's Kiwi. It's um uh it's basically a very satisfying murder mystery with um a Kiwi twist to it. That's my life at the moment. There we go. Well, Tim, thank you very much for giving us your time, sir. We're going to cut okay. you loose. It's been right. a pleasure talking to you. Nice talking to you guys. Take care. You too. Bye bye, sir. See ya. <laughs>